Hello, and welcome to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast by Colty Collective, where we share stories from Asian influencers and creators. Now, if this is your first time learning about Colty Collective, we are a storytelling platform for, by, and about Asian millennials. We're based in Vancouver, Canada, but for this particular episode, we made the trip down to Los Angeles and got to catch up with some of our favorite Asian American creatives. Now, my name is Natasha Jung, and I'm your host for this podcast. And in this episode, you will hear my conversation with Jackie Fernandez, a two-time Emmy Award-winning television host, writer, and content creator. We talk about how she fell in love with writing, tried to appease her parents when it came to her education and her career, and what she learned from working in newsrooms where she was the only Asian person. Now, you'll hear me say wow a lot in this interview because honestly, Jackie speaks the truth. And I was in absolute shock that I was speaking with someone who knew exactly what I felt as a journalist myself. And I'm confident you will hear something you can relate with as well. Check it out. Hey, what's up? I'm Natasha Jung from Colty Collective, and I am here with Jackie Fernandez. Woo! What's up, girl? <laughs> um, also known Cheering as Jackie Fern. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, we're not you know in front of an audience right now, <laughs> right. but uh, th- those that are watching or listening um, will totally be doing the same thing. Oh, thank you. Yes. So glad to be able to meet with you here in L.A. Yes. Uh, a little bit of a breezy uh, winter uh, afternoon in Los Angeles. Yes. Um, Jackie, you are a two-time Emmy Award-winning television host, Content creator and an actress. Oh my gosh, like you wow. the whole package. Oh, thank you. Oh my gosh. That's I'm... so funny hearing you call me an actress. I really like don't think of myself as that. Really? Yeah, I think of myself more as like TV host, writer, mm-hmm. content creator, and then actress is like literally on the bottom <laughs> of the list. I'm like, oh wow. Oh, that's so interesting. Even though if you are a TV host, you really are an improviser and an actor. That's so true, Facts. especially especially on the in, uh, in, improvising side of things, yes. right? Because you never know when things can kind of go awry or they especially if you're do. alive. And so how long ago did you get started in the media and television industry? Okay, so I was in the academic decathlon when I was in sixth grade, and then I really loved English and telling stories. So I did that in eighth grade, won an award, wow. and I kind of went down that journey mm-hmm. of wanting to do that, maybe a little secretly. So I'm Filipino and Chinese, mm-hmm. a China Pina, mm-hmm. and my parents came here from the Philippines. So I'm wow. first generation, and in my culture, and it's it is kind of a true stereotype. They really push you to be a nurse. <laughs> you know, it's really true. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. And- but, but hold on, let's let's unpack that like slightly because I've definitely heard that before. Yeah. Why is it nursing? Do you know? Um, I don't really know why, but I think there's something about it being Filipinos like thinking that's an easy job, mm-hmm. and it's really not. The schooling is quite arduous and very difficult, yeah. and also they think that um, it's a very stable career. Right. And you don't need to study as long as you would to be a doctor. And yet you can make almost as much if you work overtime and you work all these kind of things. And it's stability. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's a job that you can do anywhere in the world. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. So on paper, that that totally makes sense. Yeah. But that wasn't really the path that you decided to go oh on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, it definitely wasn't. Like for me, I wanted to be a writer. And so um, in high school, I was like the perfect student, always wanting to do that in theater and things like that. And yeah. my parents really did not support that at all. So it was kind of like something that I did secretly, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if it happened, it happened. And if it didn't, then whatever. And um, I remember always trying to 
go to these like auditions because I grew up here in Los Angeles mm. or go to these theater programs and I would get very far and then I would need like parental support and oh. then I wouldn't get it. No. So I would just quit. Oh no. Right? Because I didn't yeah. have the belief and the wherewithal to have that in myself, especially mm -hmm. growing up at that time, several years ago, <laughs> when you didn't see like all these people out there doing it. Mm -hmm. There was no Lana Candor or whatever, who was like just slaying it. And I thought, oh mom, God, like she's doing it. I can do it too. Yeah, there's like visual proof that yes. someone else is doing it. And there wasn't back then. Yeah. I can't even tell you who. I couldn't name one person. Yeah. And so, um, so basically that happened and I ended up going pivoting to journalism because mm -hmm. I thought that's kind of a safer way to be a storyteller. Yes. And I've seen there are Asian women who were slaying the game, yeah. news anchor style, and oh, that was yeah. kind of like a mix of both. But I still didn't admit to myself that's what I wanted to do. So I was a writer in the sense that I'm like, I want to be a journalist and I want to be like Sex in the City Carrie Bradshaw. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, of course, because that's, a, you know, the iconic, you know, journalist, right? So like, iconic. And when you watch her as a high school kid, it's so glamorous. When you watch her as an adult, you're like, she is the most selfish. <laughs> like, that is the most insane life. Like, yeah. never, ever would I ever, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, but that's the life I wanted. Yeah, yeah. So I went to school in New York City and studied journalism and did every facet of journalism, like PR, print reporting, all the different kinds, and then found myself in a TV internship because I definitely wanted to try that. And I loved it. Yeah. And one day a director said to me, will you help us read the prompter? We're testing the lights. And when I, when I did that, I just loved doing it. And so I went down that path. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so um, you, was ABC as an entertainment correspondent, was that kind of your first? That was my first job. Wow. Right. Okay. So I have a very untraditional path. After I graduated college, I couldn't find a job for like six to eight months because all my connections were in New York and mm -hmm. I was trying to make it happen in LA for myself, right? And my parents, I remember one day they sat me down and they're like, what are you really trying to do here? Because you aren't working, it's you've graduated college, what's happening? And so I even gave up on myself a little bit. Mm -hmm. I applied for this job to be like a recruiter for nurses. Oh, like wow. Some nurse angle, yeah. Right? Like, you know, that's those... a safe route and, you know, right? hopefully parental approval and support. Like at this, <laughs> at this, like one of those secondary schools, you know, that just specializes in like uh, nurse practitioners or yeah. whatever PAs. And I totally like made up all my qualifications on the resume. Oh my. And I literally, <laughs> literally, I was like, yeah. oh, about this. That's and amazing. I was still going to get hired. Yeah. And my mom's like, it's 40000 or $50,000 a year. And, but like, that's all you'll ever make. You know yeah, what I mean? There's no, not a lot of upward mobility no. in that, right? And so I went for my second interview. And as I was about to go in, I checked, I saw I had two missed calls. And I'm like, oh, that's so weird. Who are these missed calls from? Yeah. And it was from C-SPAN in DC asking me to come for an interview. Whoa. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't this believe it. This is a it. sign. Yes, I was like, this is a sign. Yes. Finally, like one of the resumes that I submitted in this black hole has come back to me. Wow. So was it a resume and a demo reel or how did that work no, at that time? No, I was time? just applying for a production assistant oh, type wow. job. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Like anything to get into the industry. Yeah. So I applied for a PA job. As soon as she said, like, we'd love for you to come and interview, 
I spent my own money to fly to DC. I stayed in New York and I connected with everyone who had said, when you're in New York, hit us up. Yeah. So I stayed in New York, took that Chinatown bus, 35 bucks to DC, you know, four hours each way. Because <laughs> that's, the, you got to do it that way, you right? Gotta you got to do it that you way. Do, I didn't know do. anyone in DC to stay with. Yeah. So I did that, interviewed it, met with the recruiter at ABC News when I was on that trip. Yeah. And by the end of that meeting, she hired me. Wow. And then from there at ABC, I was doing um, producing work for the overnight show, World News Now. Yeah. And then from there, I was able to parlay that into product, uh, into being on air. Wow. That's incredible. So um, let's back up a bit and let's talk about the power of networking and connecting with people, especially, you know, when you're traveling uh, or in between, you know, like gigs and stuff too. Yeah, no Who have been some people that have kind of helped set you on your path because of just being open to grabbing coffee or, or boba even? <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't even tell you the power of networking and relationships. Someone, you know, the saying is it's not who you know, it's, um, it's not what you know, it's who you know, right? Yeah. That's not the saying. It's not who you know, it's who knows you. Yeah. yeah. And so... I have found that networking is super key and every person like in my whole st from academic career to then who gave me my first shots mm -hmm. and who he who even also pushed me and called me out on my BS because mm -hmm. um, everyone needs someone like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like literally my first like second journalism class in college, I was so used to just always like getting straight A's or just being able to do the least minimum work, but excelling. Mm -hmm. And this one teacher called me out on it. He's like, I'm gonna just, let's go to the bursar's office and say, you just didn't even realize you're in this class because you, what you're turning in is total crap. Well, so what, was it just because you're coasting or you just, it wasn't clicking with you? Like what, I what was didn't it? try it all. I had oh, wow. just moved to New York from LA mm. and it was my first taste of freedom. Yeah. And let's just say the academics fell out the window. <laughs> you were like, enjoying the city. I was really <laughs> living it up in New York City with my mm -hmm. fake, you no, know, my real ID of another Asian playing on people's ignorance. We all look so, alike. <laughs> so therefore you, that was kind of your foray into acting. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. I was like, that's me. That's my address. I'm a tourist. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what yep. I mean? Yep. So, oh, um, <laughs> but like literally every person from that teacher who whipped me into shape yeah. from there, I was like, I've never been called out before. Wow. And I got my stuff together, wrote six articles from scratch, hit the ground, getting the interviews, like yeah. really being a reporter. Yeah. Whereas before I was like the night before just making up all this stuff. Oh, right. Yeah. And so that guy, the woman who hired me at ABC News, every person that I then worked with at ABC News who was instrumental in my life, I would say was someone who was a person of color, specifically yeah. African-American. Wow. Yeah. That's super interesting. So why do you think it was that I guess we can probably assume why, you know, it's probably people of color supporting people of color. But I mean, for you, like, why do you think it was particularly um, like African-American people that were supporting you and championing you throughout your career? You know, it's so funny. It's like I didn't realize that until maybe five years in when I mm -hmm. sat down to think like, wow, every person who really pushed me, kicked my butt or even gave me this opportunity was a person of color. Yeah. And um I think it's something like those people mature in their growth, had the wherewithal to know that diversity is something that is so key mm -hmm. and that hiring, that they have the power to like lift up other people mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to just be their own specific race, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a bit of that, that kind of understanding, that mutual understanding, that mutual respect and that kind of solidarity that is kind of created in that space. 
so with that being said, like, what kind of advice do you have for those that might want to start a career in journalism or even in television or even in writing? I have a lot of advice about that. <laughs> so basically, if you want to be a journalism um, in journalism, journalists are always going to be key. We're always going to need those seekers of truth who are really out there, boots on the ground, trying to make this work. However, you don't need to go the traditional route. Like whatever you're learning in school, like um, you don't need to do that. For example, if you want to be in TV, you don't need to go to Market 200, Tyler, Texas, and work your way up to like this, this, this to make it to New York or LA. Mm -hmm. um, right now, everything is about your own brand online. Mm -hmm. So if you can create a niche for yourself and learn the tools that you need and tell stories like on your own page and you know how to like write, edit, shoot, and tell stories in a unique way, that's going to get you hired mm -hmm. and know how to use digital media mm -hmm. versus being someone who like, I went to Columbia grad school for journalism, but I don't really understand, like, I don't really understand what you're saying with like how to tell it in this new way. Yeah. Uh, but I, I have this master's. You know, like, does that make sense? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, especially like in education and in higher education, more formal education, it's, you know, it takes a long time to build those curriculums. I know. And so by the time you actually catch up, it's like no longer relevant, right? The especially in the age of social yeah. media, right? The medium is changing yeah. so rapidly. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like this young generation is literally digital natives. Yeah. So they grew up with these like smartphones attached to their hands already, all these things. So mm. if you know how to tell stories in your unique voice yeah. and you have maybe a tribe following you or even just a, a very different perspective or way of telling stories, mm -hmm. that's what's going to get you ahead. If you have an educated perspective and point of view, that is going to get you hired. You don't need formal education. You don't need to be going and getting a master's. It's fabulous like if mm -hmm. it's great but really these other things are going to get you hired yeah and they're they're what's going to get you noticed yeah um and you know it's it's basically proof of concept right mm -hmm. so proof that you can actually do the work and do the job mm -hmm. yeah i myself worked in in television just local community tv channel back at home and so i remember that you know when i was kind of starting out i'd be very specific or i guess particular about the stories that I chose to cover. The reason being is that I didn't want to just be like an Instagrammer, like influencer, if, if you want to call them that. But also, um, I wanted to make sure that because as a female Asian journalist, reporter, producer, host, that I brought a level of professionalism to the job, right? And so I guess for you, did you ever in any point in your career kind of encounter the need to kind of step it up that way? Or do you think that was always innate in yourself? I definitely think it was always innate in myself. However, this is facts. So being an Asian American woman in these majority white spaces, mm -hmm. in these majority white newsrooms. So, I mean, I was the main anchor face of a show in green hired every job I ever had. I was hired to be their fresh new face mm -hmm. and lead on the show. Mm -hmm. So Greensboro, North Carolina for three years doing that Cleveland, Ohio and then Tampa, Florida, right? And in each of these places, like um, they don't have a lot of Asians there. So for a lot of these people, it was their first time ever encountering someone who looked like me. Mm -hmm. And they had a lot of preconceived notions of what someone who looks like this mm -hmm. should act like, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm someone who was raised in a New York City newsroom, yeah. very loud, brash, direct, mm -hmm. no time for talk about your feelings. Yeah. You messed up. 
in the show, what happened? Yeah. I just want to know. Mm-hmm. Not like, what you did here was great. And la la. So let's like, you know <laughs> no, what I the mean? the sandwich thing, right? Yeah, every yeah. <laughs> job I've had, I've always been told that my tone is too direct. And my tone so is it, like, so internally, harsh. And like internally? Yeah. Hmm. Like every person, you know, like bosses would be like, your tone is like very harsh. And I'm like, how is it harsh? I'm literally just asking. Even in the New York? Like, no, not New York. York. Not okay, New York. but this any other city outside Greensboro, of Cleveland, Got it. and Tampa. And I know that literally my white male counterparts would be more than me, oh, more yeah. brash. And I know that they didn't have any pushback. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes I felt myself I, I felt like I really had to assert my power because I know that they probably thought I was going to be like quiet or submissive. So even when I would hear that, hear what? Hear that? So even when I would hear that, okay, well, we're done. <laughs> it's the remake. Yeah. <laughs> I like where we're going with this because I didn't. I didn't want to like lead lead you there, but your story naturally went there. So yeah. thank you for that. No, yeah. it's really true. Like. I am New York born, LA raised. I've only been on those two coasts. Yeah. I was raised in a New York City newsroom where the women there, the white women led by example, and they were direct and they were, I don't want to say harsh, but just authoritative. Yeah. Right. And so I fo- followed them. Yeah. So when I, I followed them, I learned from them that when I was in a leadership role, mm-hmm. I also wanted to act like that too. Because that's what you saw to be, you know, what success is made of, right? right. Or that people are respected for that. And yeah. as I'm sure they were in the, the other news right. that you worked in. And then even for me, like, I don't really like that flowery talk. I just mm-hmm. really want to be direct. Mm-hmm. I want a sense of positivity, but also like directness. While interning, I learned from all of these women in positions of power that they were very authoritative, they were very direct. Mm-hmm. So when I got into a leadership position, mm-hmm. of course, I wanted to act that way too. Mm-hmm. That it was just very much, they spoke the way men spoke. Yeah. They didn't have to add their feelings. They didn't have to add flowery talk to it, right? Mm-hmm. And then when I got into places like a Greensboro, North Carolina, Cleveland, and Tampa, I noticed that in those places, they had not seen a lot of Asian American women in these positions of power Mm -hmm. and influence. And I could tell that they reacted very badly to me. Being authoritative, Mm -hmm. being direct, and wanting me to act a different kind of way. Mm -hmm. I've always been told, like, your tone is so harsh. And I go, how? When I'm being like, I'm tweaking it for you guys. I'm being, I'm like, (laughs) I'm like saying like the nice things, like you did this great, you did that. Can we talk about what happened here? Like, I don't get what you want me to do. I don't understand. I can't really change who I am. This is who I am. It's how I lead. Like, I want a sense of positivity and, but also accountability. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's what makes the the whole production work together. That's what makes all the team work together, too. How did you actually, like, deal with that? Was it just, like, too bad? Like, you know, I'll do my best, but this is who I am? Or, like, how do you get past that? I think you get past it. It's kind of like, you have to... (laughs) It's like what Bruce Lee said, be like water, yes. <laughs> empty yourself. Be, if you are poured into a pot, become the pot, right? Yeah. So when you are a certain kind of way, mm-hmm. like I'm a very direct kind of person and they're telling you to sweeten up your style, mm-hmm. um, you hear it and then I go, okay, I can ch- tweak my approach, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna change who I am. Yeah. Do you understand what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. I can tweak this to be like, you know, 
high or what, I, whatever, but in, I'm not going to change. In a way for, that works for you. Yes. And that it's still you where you're not being fake. Because I, right. I feel like probably like if you, people thought you were being fake, that would probably be worse. worse. Right. <laughs> it's like that weird sugary sweet. It's like, no, no, no. So I think what it, what it really comes down to is if you are someone who feels like you're in a space that's encroaching on who you are fundamentally as a person and really hindering you from what you want to become and what you really are and preventing you from stepping into your greatness, that's the space that you need to get out of. So a lot of us fight that feeling. It took me three years to have the courage to quit my job. I already knew I didn't like being a news anchor because you're forced to be this censored, sterilized, one-note version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And everyone kept telling me to change who I am, to just be this super happy version, right? And just go on air, mm -hmm. say the stuff you read in the prompter, and then that's it. Box. Leave, and then like, don't really be involved. Or if you're involved, mm -hmm. be involved in this kind of way. Right. And so I just, re I just remember thinking, like, this is not what I want with my life. And I took a transformational breathwork class. And I remember thinking there, I can't quit this job. This is a high paying six figure salary. I'm the face of a show. I just won two Emmys. This is a solid career. People want this kind of job. My parents are in jobs that they don't like that that are not their dream jobs right they're great jobs but they're not their dream jobs mm -hmm. and they endured that for 30 40 years and you can't do this job are you kidding oh and yeah and it's a bit of like, a guilt tripping yourself totally. and that yeah. was me before the class and then after this like week-long retreat at the end of it I remember breathing so deep and thinking no no you you misunderstand your parents endured all of that stuff so you could have a choice. So after I left that retreat, I had devised a plan to get out of my contract. I was supposed to be there for three years and my agent and I, and we all worked it out. The universe opened up and I was able to get out within a few weeks. Wow, yeah. a few weeks, yeah. that's crazy. It was really, really amazing. Good for you, good for you. And so how long ago was that now? That was uh, this, right at the end of 2017. This, okay. And then I came back here, like, and started on this journey at, at the start of 2018. So one year ago. Yeah. Well, <laughs> happy, happy anniversary. <laughs> I know. It's, it's crazy. Like, um, when you, it's like, I don't even have any sense of time anymore. It's yeah. so, it's so kind of awesome and crazy. Well, the good thing about it now is that like you, you own your time. You really yeah. do get to choose what you're working on and yeah. they're authentic to you. And like, there's, there's just this glow about you in the yeah, sense of like, you. you can tell that you're really someone that really just enjoys what they do and like are willing to, to work your butt off to be able to make it happen. I will tell you, girl, like I have never worked harder. Wow. I have never worked harder and been paid less. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you know you love it, right? <laughs> like, oh, OMG, that yeah. is effing facts. When you are in a building year in the building time, it's like... Ooh. I always thought my TV journalism career would help me pivot into entertainment. Yeah. Like I thought, oh, I could be like Maria Menounos where she does <laughs> hosting and then she's like acting on Fantastic Four or whatever. And it did in a different way. Okay. It Tell us about that. It me like my savings and all that stuff mm. to be able to take this kind of time to invest mm. and not be someone who um, is, you know, like struggle. Well, I'm struggling. 
don't get it wrong. <laughs> but what I mean by that is having to work like 10 jobs, try to make it in LA and all these kind mm -hmm. of things, right? And I didn't have to um, go to a production company, all these different kind of things, right? So that's what I mean by that. Gotcha. And so what are you working on now? I know, right? All of that to say. So basically, <laughs> <Tell us. laughs> I have spent the past year working on this web series, mm -hmm. which is something that I have been thinking about for a long time and mm -hmm. finally had the guts to say, this is what I want to work on and this yeah. is what I'm going to do all in. Um, so Ghost Riders TV is, yes! is the IGTV series. It is. It's at Ghost Riders TV. It is the first ever scripted narrative specifically formatted for Insta Story. Wow. Yes. It's about women of color and how we navigate all the isms of a modern office. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of it is that it's completely interactive, native to how you use the phone and interact with Instagram and Insta Story. So you get to vote, you get to do polls, there's augmented reality, gifts, filters, what? all these kind of things. That is honestly. insane. And it's so hilarious. Like it's yeah. the the cast is not only ethnically diverse, but mm -hmm. also intersex. And we explore all these different kind of identities. Mm -hmm. Um from, you know, what it means to be Afro-Latina, intersex Latinx, and of course, Asian-American. Yeah. So it's all of these different realities. Um, and it's so funny. It's like The Office meets Insecure. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. That yeah. is, that is a great, I feel like we've been needing something like that right. in that space. So yes. that's incredible. Okay. So how did that all kind of like come about? Like you, um, you're the, you, you wrote the, you wrote yeah, the series, Yeah. So I created right? the show. I wrote the show. I'm executive producing the show. Oof. I'm in it. I'm do like, literally it is my baby. Yeah. I have been nurturing this thing for so many months, definitely gained weight doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, not a food baby, but a right. production baby, yeah, a creative like, baby. So like, and so, <laughs> I can't tell. So yeah, you're good. You're you. good girl. Thanks girl. Like, uh, <laughs> Uh, so it's been a lot of hard work. I mean, um, this past year, 2018, I immersed myself in all facets of production, mm -hmm. learning screenwriting, shadowing on sets, PAing on sets, production yeah. assisting on sets, getting paid in goldfish crackers. Like, oh, delicious. Liter <laughs> right? Uh, really? That's very really um, And um, like learning performing, going to the Groundlings, which is like the premier improv school here in Los Angeles. Uh, mm -hmm like Will Ferrell and Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, all trained there, wow. right? So doing, immersing myself in those classes for a year, acting, like editing, all these different things, right? Mm -hmm. To finally get this production going. And mm -hmm. so basically I networked with all the Asian American entertainment and film groups here in LA. And there's mm -hmm. definitely a community, yeah. a thriving community of people who all are wanting to hustle and get stuff done and wanting to work with you. If it's yeah. a project that sounds amazing and groundbreaking, it's like, yeah, I want to help you. And yeah. um, I'll do it for a much, I'll do it for this kind of rate. Like, you know, cause I know you, your budget is very small, all these kind of things. Mm -hmm. So I was able to amass this amazing cast and crew and from production to even post-production. And mm -hmm. it's just really like a glorious piece of work. Wow. It's so funny. And I can't wait for people to see it. My goal date for the for this to launch is probably like March or April. Okay, cool. So that's coming out really soon. Yes, Super looking so forward to, to, to watching that. So on Instagram, it's at ghostwriterstv. Yes, yes, please yes. follow so it. Please follow. Excellent, excellent. 
Um, I want to hear a little bit more about sure. kind of um, kind of your your experience in terms of um, kind of like coming together. You mentioned community, right? Mm-hmm. And you said Asian American community and just kind of bringing other creatives together to create just some really like powerful and just kind of never been done before and fun content. Really, um, yeah. How like how would you describe the community specifically in Los Angeles? I would okay. So the Asian American community. Let me just say this. I, I knew I wanted to make a web series. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I met one person. I was connected to one person. Her name is Mary Grant, the Filipina. She is a viral comedian on Facebook. She brought me to this one event for which I met someone from Phil Am Entertainment, which is Filipino American, um, excuse me. She introduced me to someone from Phil Am Creative, Mm -hmm. which is this group of all these Filipino American entertainers and people in production, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And then from that group, I was introduced to Asians in entertainment. Mm, And then like all these, yeah. Yeah. And then like, then CAPE, which is the coalition um, for Asian Pacifics in entertainment, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many. Shout out to CAPE. Yeah, I love CAPE. I love CAPE. And so (laughs) all these different groups and we are this literally this like thriving Mm -hmm. community of people who are making it right now people who who are looking for their first job and just like a bunch of talented people Mm -hmm. who want to help or recommend you to someone or refer you to someone so I think it all starts with going to one group yeah and it it could be any of those groups like that first month that I was here I went to like a film creative meeting Asians and entertainment mixer uh and a cape event and I was like look at all these Asians here like oh my gosh and there's there's like really successful ones like a Daniel Day Kim oh my gosh and there's people like who just graduated and they they're like I know how to use a camera and I can help you I know how to edit that's I can so do your good thing. like you know what I mean yes. and we're yes. all like in the same space mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if you're really trying to make something happen mm-hmm. I feel like LA is really a great place to be great great mm-hmm. you know I'm only here for a few days but I've definitely been able to like I don't know like how do you see you girl you it's have a, been here. you mobilize quickly yeah. i was like wow she's here for five days she has so many interviews stacked up i was like dang but, girl but honestly what it came down to is me actually just kind of reaching out to one person or two people to be like hey like we'll love to meet up with you who else would be down this is my cause right. this is my vision like who else would be down they said oh this person this person this person and then before you know it i have like a, my schedule is jam-packed you know to meet with some amazing Asian Americans totally um, in entertainment and in media and film and just kind of sitting down and having these great like conversations where I feel like I'm just learning so much already totally. um no I think that just kind of speaks volumes to kind of the state that we're in right now like not just in in America but also in in Canada as well in the sense of our solidarity our yeah. connection is just no we got to help each other out and I was just talking to someone else today um about how like because like the the space is just really in an in its infancy, right? It's really just growing, right? And so um, there really is no competition at this time because we're all in this together. We have to collaborate. We have to, you know, help each other out to figure out how we can grow and support each other's initiatives. So it's a really exciting time. And, you know, I'm so glad to be able to chat with you here today. Oh my gosh, yes. It really is an exciting time. Mm. And there's really two different schools of thought, um, especially as minorities try to claim their stake in a traditionally white space, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Entertainment, having people like us on the screen, all these kind of things. Mm -hmm. I was literally just talking about this with someone earlier. There are two schools of thought, crabs in the barrel Mm -hmm. or people rising up 
and lifting others with them. And which one are you going to be in? Because it's very easy to be like, I made it to the top, F you. Oh, yeah. And um, basically, I was talking to someone who really is a like high, high in entertainment, Mm -hmm. like top. And it's kind of like we really want Asian Hollywood to be what Black Hollywood is right now. Yes. All of those people in Black Hollywood, man, they help each other. They They lift each other up. They are advocating for other people's salaries. Like, you know, when they're higher in higher positions, they're like, well, I want to make sure her and him are getting paid the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I got this project. This would be a great director. This would be a great AD. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're making sure in their contracts that they are there's equal opportunity all of those different things and really staking their career on it mm-hmm. and since it is very much like asians in hollywood is like in its infancy we're get, garnering a lot of success with like the crazy rich asians all these kind of oh, things yeah. um it's just it's like this momentum is happening and i definitely feel like in this industry right now the ones who are making it are in that school of thought that is like all a rising tide lifts all boats yeah or ships or chip one of one of those one things of those lifts all things in the water <laughs> that lifts all, all the all the fishies all the boats all the <laughs> yeah. but watch out for that wave yeah, right totally. I, I we could go on with all these puns and stuff um right. <laughs> well the sun is setting um so um it, it has been said that you are the average of five the five people you spend the most time with oh. so who has influenced you the most in your life you would would you say wow that's tough oh my gosh in my life hmm Okay. So, wow. I would say one of the people that I've spent the most, most time with who's influenced me the most is, um, Michael Scott. Wow. (laughs) So (laughs) tell us about that. Tell us about that relationship. First of all, I very much love the show, The Office. Yes. And, um, sounds like you have a very intimate relationship. I do. (laughs) Like literally I watch TV a lot. I watch a lot of TV. I love it. I study it, especially living in places like Greensboro, Cleveland, and Tampa, and not knowing anybody, not having any family or friends there. Um, I spent a lot of time watching The Office. So so for me, The Office has been something that has been the common denominator for every love that I've had. What? It's been the comfort when I've had my heart broken from those guys. It's been the, th- the family that I had when I lived in these small towns and had no one. Mm-hmm. The friend when I was bored on a weekend and didn't have anywhere to go. So I watch The Office a lot because it it's always been there made, for you. It's totally been there for me. <laughs> Those characters, like I'm so serious. Like yeah. I love that show. Mm-hmm. I find so much comfort in it. Mm-hmm. And um, so definitely that. Mm-hmm. Like that show influenced me so much when I was in college. I was an intern and at New York One, I didn't know how Hall- Halloween worked at offices except what I saw in the office. So I oh said, like, God. do we dress up? <laughs> yeah. I was like, do we, you know, dress up? Like, um, they're like, no. I go, okay, okay. Well, a good thing you asked. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> it's different say, in every office, right? It so, is. Yeah. I would say that. I would say my parents very much influenced mm-hmm. me, their drive, their humor, their warmth. I am totally like this gregarious, vivacious version of myself because Mm -hmm. of them. Mm -hmm. You know, they're so warm. And you see that when you meet them, they make you feel at ease. Mm -hmm. They make you feel loved. And so I think that is very much because of um, them. That's why I am the way I am. Mm -hmm. My best friend, Samara Theodore, is someone who really much influences me too because she's so um, generous in spirit. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, a lot of times she has made me better 
you know, she's comforted me and mm -hmm. she's so strong and wise mm -hmm. that uh, a lot of that rubs off on me. That's really cool. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, I want to go back to your, your parents here for a second because I, I mean, you know, creeping through your Instagram, oh. I see that you, you spend a lot of time with your parents and I think that's, that's wonderful and that's beautiful. And the fact that you speak, you know, so, so warmly about them um, is, is really just lovely to see. Um, so I guess like for me, I'm, I'm curious to know, like growing up, were you always like this expressive with your love and like appreciation Hell no. for each other? Hell no. <laughs> Girl, this took a long time to get to where I am with my parents. If you scroll through my Instagram and you see like, oh my God, they spend so much time together. They really love each other. First of all, we do spend a lot of time to, with each other. We do love each other, but also they can't get rid of me. I live there. Okay. Oh, perfect. Yes. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I go, go, I'm moving back. I'm building a show. I'm building this empire and I'm going to live here rent free. Take care of me. And um, what did they say to that? They were like, well, they can't kick me out. I'm a hoarder. Yeah. I'm a hoarder. I'm a squatter. A squatter. I'm a squatter. Okay. And so, That's um, going to be the Instagram caption. Yeah. She's a squatter. I'm a squatter. <laughs> Asian squatter. Yeah. And so honestly... I did not have a close relationship with my parents. Yeah. So when I was um, 17, when I was in high school, 17 um, years old, and then went to college at 18, I already moved out by the time I was 18. Mm -hmm. And for me, I went to school in New York City, and that wasn't far enough away. Wow. I could not get away fast enough. You know, mm -hmm. so, um, some things that happened and, you know, boundaries were crossed, blah, blah, blah. And I just wasn't close with them. And literally, I would see my parents. I would come back home one week a year for several years. And that was enough time. And that was, yeah. I mean, it's so interesting how, like, family has, like, the ability to push so many buttons in such a short period of time and just... It's because it, you don't want to talk about your feelings, no. especially growing up in an Asian immigrant household. Mm -hmm. um, Filipinos, psychologically proven, don't really communicate their feelings. They talk through jokes. And jokes. so, yeah. Okay. And so um, my family, we didn't really communicate when things had bothered us or whatever or, mm -hmm. or set boundaries. So it wasn't until I was maybe like 26 or so I think that I started going to therapy mm -hmm. and I started going to therapy and my therapist helped me unpack a lot of these feelings that I was having and how mm -hmm. relationships that I was having with different people at the root of it all was the relationship I had with my family that was causing these yeah. problems. It was different iterations of that same dynamic yeah. in other people, right? Wow. So until I could solve this one with my family, nothing else was going to get solved. So yeah. it required a lot of work on my part, establishing boundaries, communicating what when I was feeling upset, mm -hmm. using I statements, all these kind of things. Mm -hmm. I did the work for several years and now it got to, so I went from someone who at 17, 18 years old, New York wasn't far enough away for me from my parents. I saw them maybe one to two weeks a year, and that was enough. Mm -hmm. I never thought I would move back to LA. Let alone live with let them. Let alone live with them. <laughs> so yeah. cut to then several years later, and my parents, I will tell you honestly, without a doubt, are my best friends. I'm serious. They are my best friends. And this past year, I wrote this Instagram post about them on their anniversary, which was on September. And I had never felt this feeling before which was, I remember sitting with it and thinking, what am I feeling right now? And I was like, oh my God, literally, oh my God, this is gratitude. Yeah. This is what pure gratitude feels like mm -hmm. because I am so thankful that they worked so hard, sacrificed so much and 
are taking care of me now mm -hmm. to follow my dreams. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so grateful to them and I love them so much. Wow. But it takes a lot of work because I have a lot of Asian like people, like young folks, like asking me, how do you get close with your parents? And I'm like, it doesn't happen overnight. No, you, you really do have to work work at it. Um, no, it's, it's, it's super interesting because I, I've been talking to a lot of people um, recently, I, and um, you know, I talked about something similar with um, Manny Jacinto as well as Asimu Oh, I love him. Yeah, isn't he oh great? He's such a sweetheart. Yes, yes, he's Filipino. Yes, he is, and he's from my hometown. Oh, yeah. he's from Canada. He's from he's Canadian. Oh, cool. Yeah, Manny Jacinto. Yes. Um, shout out to Manny Jacinto. Yeah. Um, I got an interview with him coming out soon as well. I don't know if great. it'll come out before or after this, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, like himself and like Simu Liu from Kim's Convenience, and Howdy. just kind of <laughs> yes. Uh, Yes. <laughs> also Canadian, but not from my hometown, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, like just kind of, it's that kind of that mutual understanding amongst perhaps like millennials that, that are in the creative space about having to get through some of those challenges with, um, with our parents. Right. Oh, totally. And, you know, and even for myself too, like I, my parents didn't even realize it until like I told them this, like not too long ago when we were kind of arguing about like wedding stuff that I have coming up because I'm getting married in a, in a couple months. But Congrats. like, ah, thank you. Um, but I was just like, you know, I, I went way back and I said, you know, back when I was like about to graduate from high school, I really wanted to go to like this broadcasting school totally. like, in, in Canada. But like you guys didn't believe in me or you told me you didn't want right. me to go there. So I stayed here. And then look at me 10 years late, 10 plus years later, I'm in the media. And they're just like, I never said that. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yes, you said I that. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't have done what they told me to do kind of thing. Right. And it's just, you know, for me, I guess it was kind of like, well, I guess I didn't realize at, you know, at that age, how much of an influence my parents had on some of my decision making. 100%. But then now it's kind of like you look back and it's like, you know, that was my path. Yes. I'm grateful that that happened because that makes me really appreciate where I am now, as well as what my parents, you know, allowed me to be able to do because of what they gave me or provided for me or that space that they, you know, created for, for me to kind of do my own thing later on down the road. But I mean, certainly being able to not just reconcile, but I think kind of Re recalibrate or realign with your parents at an older age, right, um, is really something quite beautiful. And I hope that, you know, hopefully, you know, other Asian millennials are able to do the same thing. It takes a lot of work. I'm telling yeah. you, you've got to put the work in yeah. because your parents, especially if they're immigrant parents, yeah. are going to be hard to change them, right? So the only way you can change them is to change yourself and your reactions to them. And mm -hmm. if you can elevate your frequency and your vibration and your consciousness like honestly they will rise to meet you mm -hmm. when you start talking about your feelings or establishing boundaries your parents will start to do that too and mm -hmm. for me similar to you i definitely resented my parents for years you didn't believe in me i was a perfect high school student and you convinced me to not apply to any colleges besides the local one here i could have gotten into harvard mm -hmm. i wanted to go to nyu i wanted this i wanted that blah 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 mm -hmm. you put me in these rich people's schools and and i we were so poor and like you you know what i mean yeah it's like and a bit of a disconnect there too, totally right? <laughs> and then not realizing yeah. like later like damn these people worked so effing hard just so i could be in that catholic school space yeah. and you're so ungrateful yeah. and i was just and i started to think of it like you know all of that belief that they didn't have in me is because they wanted me to have a safer path so they didn't mm -hmm. i didn't have to work as hard as them and I realized like these past years that I've had gave me the stories for this show. They added texture to my life. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I am grateful for that. And I know that it's meant to, this path is meant to be this mm -hmm. winding road to where I finally am. Yeah. 
And that's uh, and it's an exciting path that you're on with uh, with Ghost Riders TV coming out very Thank soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. So I do want to just kind of wrap up our conversation sure. um, with a couple fun questions. Um, but before I do, um, something that I ask all the people that I interview is if they have a pearl of wisdom they would like to impart on our listeners and viewers. Um, hence the bubble tea. But oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It can be anything like a life hack or even just like a way of, you know, thinking about life or about positivity or whatever you like. I have it. I, I know exactly. And this will be very honest. It's the pearl of wisdom that I use all the time. It's my screensaver. Oh. It's literally oh. my screensaver. <laughs> so I look at it all the time. And this is something that I want to be your mantra too. There are people less qualified than you doing the things you want to do simply because they decide to believe in themselves. Period. There you go. Mic drop. <laughs> Please, actually, let's not drop the mic because, you know, Expensive. that's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but really, that's. I remember reading that quote and it stuck with me. There are so many people doing what you want to do and you mm. look at them maybe with resentment or envy. And what separates you from them? Nothing except that they believe in themselves. Jackie Fern, Jackie Fernandez. Yeah, I call me Jackie Fern. Jackie Fern. Yeah, I like that. I was like, I was like, that's that's a fun name. Yeah. <laughs> My sister came up with it. Oh, that's so good. Jackie Fern, thank you so much for your time hanging out with us on Culty Collective. Um, please follow Jackie on Instagram at Jackie Fern, is that yes, right? Yeah, that's right. Yes, and at Ghostwriters TV. Yes. Um, follow, find her on Facebook, Instagram, and on her website, JackieFern.com. Mm -hmm. Until next time, um, this has been Pearls of Wisdom on Colty Collective. Bye. Bye. It's cold AF right now. <laughs> it's okay. You can swear. <laughs>